0: is the unseen. And I'm your host, Mike Cleland. This is part 4 of an ongoing set of interviews with my friend Ron Johnson. I am not really surprised that this interview has gone on this long. And I fully expect at least one more interview in this series, maybe more. Uh, For anyone who has not listened to parts one, two, or three, each one of those shows is remarkably powerful. And this latest show is no exception. In it, we cover uh, a multitude of experiences, including a profound healing, and then what I can only call journeys beyond the realm of the living and into the realm of the dead. And this, this is something I had never heard Ron share with me before. He shared a lot, and I had heard a lot of these accounts before, but he had never gone this far or this deep. And this episode ends with a sort of poetic beauty that I did not expect. I have said this in some of the earlier introductions and I'll say it again here, these conversations have somehow transported me. I think you'll be able to hear it in my voice compared to some of the other interviews that I've done here. I am almost withdrawn and I am paying such close attention to every word that Ron says and this is partially because I'm in the role of the interviewer, and I want to make sure that you, the listener, gets all the details and partially for my own selfish reasons, like i- I really feel this is a powerful story, and I suspect strongly that Ron is not alone, that there are others out there who have had experiences to this depth. If you have not heard the previous three episodes, those are all available on the Unseen page here on the unknowncountry.com website. Um, I think these can all be listened to out of order. I don't think it really makes any difference, or very little difference. If you are joining us here now and listening to this fourth part as your first introduction to Ron's story, I think that'll be fine. I think you'll get up to speed and follow his remarkable experiences from the middle point. Yet, I would encourage anyone who finds any one of these stories valuable to go back and listen to the complete series. Uh, Presently, as I said before, I am not sure how many more there will be. There will certainly be one more, a part five, and there might be a part six. When I begin the conversation, it will start in the middle. What you will hear is coming in at the halfway point of the part three episode. That was recorded in One Push, parts three and four, and that was a long conversation. That was a long recorded thing that was very close to three hours, and both of us were pretty tired at the end of it. You will hear us at the end of this episode basically saying like, wow, that was a lot. That was a lot to do. That was emotionally for me, that was a lot, and I am certain it was emotional, and I think rewarding for Ron to share so much and, and to speak so openly about something that he has kept bottled up for a long time. This audio conversation was recorded on Sunday, September 13th, 2020. Please enjoy. Ron, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. It means a lot to me.
1: Uh, thank you, Mike. I uh, really appreciate you even asking me. <laughs> yeah,
2: and what's weird
1: is um, when uh, I have these out-of-body experiences. There's there's absolutely no emotion. <laughs> it's uh, there's no fear. There's no uh, embarrassment. None of that. And uh, whatever you did in your life doesn't matter. <laughs> if you did something bad, it doesn't matter. It's all part of the uh, experience. And so I think maybe a lot of this stuff is to uh, acclimate you away from human emotion.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it, it's just a thought But and so, anyway, uh, okay. Time goes on, and in 2008, uh, well, actually in 2006, I had a. Uh, I was in an industrial accident, and I had I hurt my spine and my lower back, and I got spinal damage. I still have spinal damage from this, and uh, I was that close to being paralyzed (laughs) and so at this time I was going to these paranormal meetings of Marley Spinloves in uh, Salt Lake Mm -hmm. and she kept suggesting to me to uh, meditate I was starting to get into meditation meditate and try to see if they'll help you with your back because I was having, a, I couldn't dress myself. I had a hard time putting my pants on. I couldn't put my shoes on. I had to have help. I had to have help putting my socks on. I couldn't bend over. And so I started meditating. Uh, please, you know, somebody, please help me. And this went on for like nine months or so. And then finally, I figured, well, nobody's going to help me, so I just says, okay. I'll quit asking if you're not going to help me. I won't ask anymore. And right at that time, that was about... uh, uh, Well, right after I quit, it went on up to about 2008. And that's when I got an answer. And I started having these... uh, At first... oh. this is really strange, but I would go to bed and then I would see this vertical beam of light come through the ceiling down to the floor and I'd watch this vertical beam of light slowly move across the living room and at first I thought it was just a headlight from a vehicle, but uh, after that I, I soon realized that, that it wasn't. And this went on for about three or four times, seeing this beam of light. And then when I would see it, there would be like uh, black things moving around in the light. Uh, It was kind of reminded me of uh, you're in a pitch black room and you got the bathroom door just cracked open Mm -hmm. and you can see a light. (laughs) Go running up and it was like that and but there was things moving in the light which I now think was uh, things moving in another dimension but uh, this went on that way and then I started seeing this shadow person following the beam of light and then the shadow person would uh, stop and watch me and uh, it wasn't scary. It wasn't, it had a positive feeling to it. And uh, it would just fascinate me. I just lay in bed watching this. And uh, so time went on. And then uh, when the beam of light would appear and start moving across the living room, if I was laying on the couch, It would move across the living room. And then everything would turn a fuzzy white. And it was like I would just instantly go to sleep. And then I'd come to and I would be in this little square room sitting on this armless chair watching this uh, what looked like a chalkboard. And these uh, symbols were were appearing. There would be like three rows of six symbols, and they would change to a different symbol about every three seconds. And it was just, I'm sitting here looking at this, and this entity would be standing over in the corner watching me. And I'm just fascinated with these uh, symbols, and I'm just, my eyes are just fixed on them. And what's funny is this room that I'm in—it's the same exact room from that recurring nightmare I had back in uh, 1993, mm-hmm. with the right after the encounter I had in uh, northern Utah, Wyoming. Yep. When I was in that uh, floating building, the craft. Yep. Okay. At the end, when I go into that room, it's that same exact room. And it has a real strong feeling of being in school <laughs> for some reason. That's just real heavy on my mind.
0: Now, did it have the school feeling only um, when you were looking at the chalkboard? Because in the other dream, you were walking around like the donut shaped hallway and you would pass this room. Yeah. And it was, you described it as being very frightening. Did it have a school quality?
1: Yes. Yeah, it had a. Cool quality. Only when I was in the room. When I left the room, it didn't have that quality. I didn't have that quality anymore. It went back to fear, fear and anxiety. Yep.
0: And do you think you could draw those images? Those those symbols?
1: Oh yes, yes, yeah. As long as I can keep my hands from shaking from this heart problem I got, I can. Yeah, I can draw them. No...
0: Have you ever tried to draw them before?
1: Uh, I have, uh, but uh, I, I for some reason I okay. didn't. And a lot of this, I'd like to uh, draw the the ship, the craft, the torus shaped room that I went around the hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of things I can draw. I just need to start doing it.
0: Yeah, and um. So just keep going on. What would have happened next around this time?
1: Okay. Well, these experiences just kept going between 2008 and 2010. They kept happening. And I I kept seeing more and more with each time. And it happened three more times with me seeing the pillar of light and then being in this room watching the... uh, Uh, symbols Mm -hmm. and on the fourth time that this happened again I, I laid on the couch in the living room and immediately saw the pillar of light everything passed out but I came to I was on I'm assuming it was a craft because when I came to I'm standing with this entity Side by side, and we're looking out the front of this craft out into space, and you can see the stars out there, and it was just beautiful. <laughs> the feeling was just so overwhelmingly of love; it was just so powerful. It was like I was going to pass out. <laughs> and so the uh, entity tells me, says, "Ron, don't." Worry about what's happening to you. It has to happen, and uh, I'm going to take you on a little trip. And I says, okay. And so at that time, we start accelerating, and the the stars that I'm looking at, it's like they turn into streaks of light, and it's just I I can't stand it. It's like a roller coaster ride from hell. And I, it's like, and then everything turns fuzzy white, and I pass out. And then, when I come to, I'm in that room again, watching these darn uh, symbols mm-hmm. appear on the wall. And he, th- this time, he tells me telepathically in my mind that I have to learn this. I need to know this. It, it's, it, uh, it, it, that it's. It's, it's mandatory. I have to learn this. And so everything turns a fuzzy white, and then I wake up on the couch. And after that, the, the one after that one is the one where they fixed my back. <laughs> they actually... Uh, 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 I don't want to use the word cure. They, uh, oh gosh, what word am I looking for? It's right on the tip of my tongue.
0: Healing or?
1: Healing. It was a healing. Yeah. At that time, the next one was was a healing for my back. And uh, again, I laid down on the couch and the pillar of light appeared and everything turned fuzzy white. It was like I pass out. And I come to, and I'm on this. It's like a stainless steel table, and then uh, but this is more like a, uh, like a mill lab type setting, a laboratory. Mm-hmm. There's humans walking around wearing lab coats, and there's also these entities there, and they're wearing this silver like jumpsuit and a hood. But I can tell it's the same entities that I've been seeing in that room and on that one craft. And so this guy comes over, this I I I just when they wear a lab suit, I just the only thing that I think about is they must be a scientist. He comes over and tells me that these the entities—they want to examine my head, and they want to examine my back. And not to worry, they're not going to hurt you. They just want to examine you. And I'm just totally in shock. I'm—I'm I'm trying. I'm yelling. I'm crying. I'm trying i want out of here. And I'm praying to God to get me out of here. I don't want nothing to do with this. And uh, so this entity comes over, and he tells me, he says, Ron, he says, don't panic. He says, I want you to calm down. And he says, I'm going to get up onto the, your back, and I'm going to examine your back, and, and I want to examine your head. And so he gets up on onto the table, and... He starts doing something to my back, and it is excruciatingly painful. And I'm screaming, I can't stand this. And I'm begging him, stop, 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 stop doing this. And it feels like he's inside my spine.
0: And could you move
1: at this point? No, I'm totally paralyzed. Okay. And uh, it just... It's almost to the point where I pass out. I cannot stand this. I mean, the pain is so excruciating. I can't even describe to you how bad it was. And so he gets done, and he gets down off the table, but it doesn't hurt. (laughs) Uh, The pain's all gone. And uh, so he grabs my head, Forces my head back like he's going to break my, snap my head off my neck. (laughs) And he sticks these long, three long, bony fingers of his. They have appendages on the ends of them. Sticks them in my mouth, and then he runs them up across my upper palate, and then up my face and across top of my head. He does this three times. I have no idea what it is. Petting me, I don't know. I have no idea why he was doing this. I I asked him why, but he he never responded to me. And uh, then he gets down away from my my head. He gets uh, down by the side of me, by the side of my uh, left ear, and he grabs my ear and he pulls it out like he's trying to rip it off and he takes his finger and I have an implant right there it's like a little metal ball under my skin and he starts rubbing this little metal ball and he tells me that this is an implant and at the time I was going to have I was introduced to Dr. Roger Lear
0: Mm -hmm, who I've met yeah
1: and uh, I agreed to have him take this out. <laughs> and he says, you're thinking about having this taken out. And he says, do not remove it. You leave it alone. Don't ever remove it for any reason. And it just sounded uh, serious. So, And then after this, Uh, One of the scientist-type people, they got me down off the table and uh, took me over to this room that had other people in it sitting in chairs, and they all had their heads down. It's like they was out. Mm -hmm. And so he sets me next to this one person, this man, and I'm kind of half awake. It's like I'm sedated is what it feels like. And he raises his head, and he tells me, he says, you have no idea how lucky you are, no idea at all. And then he puts his head back down. (laughs) And uh, right after that, one of the entities brings my sister into the room, and she's holding something in her hand. I don't know what it is. It looks like a board with some things on it. And I try talking to my sister, but uh, it's like she's out, (laughs) not coherent at all. And then they take her back out into the other room, into the lab. And then three other entities come in, and they each have something in their hands. One has what looks like a box with a, a vacuum hose coming off of it but it's real small. It's only like maybe a half inch in diameter. And he's showing me this. Another one has what looks like a backpack on his back and it has wires and what looks like a microphone coming off of it. And he's showing me this. And the other one has what looks like a uh, pipe and he's holding it end on end. And he's, showing me this thing and then he turns it and shows me that it's hollow inside I have no idea what it's for they don't tell me what it's for or anything and then they leave and then a uh, another one comes in and gets me and takes me out and says that uh, they're going to be coming for you shortly and you're going to go with them and so they take me down this long hallway, and there's these two, I don't know what they are, uh, robots, something. They're they're floating, one on each side of me, and they're shaped. You ever see these uh, uh, bullet-shaped trash cans? Sure. That's what they reminded me of. The robots did, or...? Yeah, these robot things. And so he takes me outside. But at that time, just before we go outside, I pass out. Everything turns white and I pass out. And then I come to. I'm standing on this tarmac. It looks like an airport or a base or something. And I can see big hangars off in the distance. And uh, this voice telepathically tells me he says "Uh, don't go anywhere stay right there we're we're almost here we're coming to get you take you someplace and uh, my sister's laying there on a cot and she's still holding this thing in her hand and um, all this time that this has been going on they had given me this paddle-looking device. It looked like a ping-pong paddle with three lights on the end of it. And I've had to, uh, I had to hold on to this during this whole entire episode. Including through the, the healing out.
0: and your, including all the stuff on your spine.
1: Yeah. Yep. And I had to uh, hold on to this. Do not let it down. Set it down. Do not let go of it. And uh, there was one other thing they did to me on the table that I didn't mention to you. Uh, they had this like spider thing that came down from the ceiling and they hooked me to this thing. And it would control my movements of my legs and my arms. And. and uh, I have no idea what that was for. No, like
0: a living spider, or like a some sort of mechanical thing. No, it was
1: a mechanical spider. It was like a uh, uh, a big waist, a belt waist, mm-hmm. uh, a belt around my waist that would go around my waist, and it had these long hinged arms coming off of it. Okay, and uh, they would they attach my arms to the to them and then my legs to them and then this thing would control my movements and uh, but anyways after this experience when I woke up I woke up on the couch and uh, I got up and I'm just thinking wow what what an experience and uh, I woke up on the couch after this experience and I got up off the couch, and the first thing I noticed was my back didn't hurt. I could bend over. And so I went into the bedroom, and I went to get dressed, and uh, I could put my pants on, I could put my socks on, and from that day forward, my back never bothered me that much. I still get pains in it now and then, but it's nothing unbearable. And uh I've been able to dress myself ever since. Wow. It 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 was a healing. I know it was.
0: And then it was so theatrical with the the um you know feeling as if the hands were inside your body and then the um yeah. the entity literally like wrenching your your head and putting its fingers in your mouth and doing this this kind of it didn't sound like it sounds almost like a, a ritual rather than a than an actual medical yeah. procedure.
1: Yeah, I I have no idea what it was. All I know is that it worked. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And boy, I tell you, and I after then I never had any more fear of these people, these beings. And uh, the next one I had after that, this was in two thousand ten. It was the last uh, physical contact I had with these beings. And it's the one where they let me fly their craft. (laughs) And they told me what my purpose was here on Earth. Mm -hmm. And it started out the same way. I went to bed on the couch, and I saw the beam of light appear. And as soon as it appeared, I was out And then I found myself, when I came to, I was in this cubicle up on the ceiling of this room. And uh, there were other cubicles up there all around me with people in them. There was one person in each cubicle. And I'm sitting there, and this whole cubicle is completely transparent it's like made from clear plastic Uh, it's all one piece and this room I'm looking at is all it's real shiny black Uh, like it has uh, no seams no nuts and bolts nothing in it and I'm looking around and there's these entities walking all over down below and the one comes over looks up at me And then my cubicle slowly descends down to the ground. And the end opens up, and I walk out. And uh, he tells me that uh, it's time that you find out why this is happening to you. You need to know what's going on. And so we walk over to the front of this ship, or this room that I'm in and he tells me that uh, you've been programmed from birth to fly this ship transporting chosen humans off of this earth to another dimensional earth and that's all he told, tells me and then he takes me over to this console in this chair and he wants me to fit in this chair and there's indentations on the arms and he tells me I want you to place your fingers in these holes and place your arms into these uh, indentations and so I do that and it felt comfortable it felt natural
0: let me ask one question so, mm-hmm. so you're on board this craft, and this craft is populated by these beings that are not human, and mm-hmm. and they're everything I've ever heard is they're smaller, or their hands seem different, and their fingers are longer. Was this what you put your hand in? Was it did it match your hand, or was it like?
1: It, ma- it matched my hand. He said this was made for me.
0: Wow. Okay. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And so I I sat down. And I put my hands in there. And then I notice off to the right of me, uh, a little further away, there's another console there, facing just like the one I'm at. And there's a being sitting at it, and uh, I can tell it's a female. And uh, but she's, you know, she's doing things, and I, I'm not. I'm just sitting there doing nothing, just watching this console. <laughs> And so this being tells me uh, that uh, this is the craft that you're going to be flying, transporting these people to another dimensional Earth. And I ask him, I says, well, how, am I, how do I know what to do? And he tells me, it's all inside you. All you have to do is think about what you want to happen, and it'll happen. And so I think, and he asked me, he says, where would you like to go? And I tell him, Tel, this is all done telepathically. And I tell him that I'd like to go out into deep space and see the Milky Way galaxy from a distance. And so he tells me, he says, okay, he says, uh, just before we take off, he says, you're going to feel G-force, and he says, it's going to be unbearable, and this, after you feel the G-force, then we'll start hopping the different, transcending the dimensions, because they, they tell me it's too far, the distances are too vast, you have to transverse the dimensions to get to the vast distances, and so we take off, and the G-Force is just, oh, God, I can't stand it. it again, it's like a roller coaster ride from hell. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just right on the verge of passing out. Everything's starting to turn fuzzy white, except for this time. All of a sudden, it, it ends. And I'm looking out the front of this ship, out into space, and I can see different, oh God, it's not just space, it's different. Uh, we're going through the different dimensions, and there's something happening differently in each dimension. It's like taking a book and thumbing through the pages real fast and letting them flip through the pages. It, that That's what it seems like. That's what it feels like mm-hmm. and looks like. And then this all takes place in about just a like a split moment, a split second, and then we come to a stop, and then I can see the Milky Way galaxy off out in the distance, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really fascinating. And then he says, we must, we have to get back now, and he said, think about you know, going back.
0: Well here let me ask a let me just before so when you were looking at the Milky Way Galaxy, were you looking out a window?
1: I was looking out the front of the ship. Uh I forgot to tell you that when I sat down in the seat that he had me sit in with the console mm-hmm. as soon as I sat down into the onto that seat and placed my fingers and arms into those indentations the front of the ship just became transparent and I could see outside.
0: Okay, this is interesting because this is something that, you know, I've heard many people talk about similar things mm-hmm. and and they will, you know, there's like almost like all of a sudden they'll say, now I'm out in space and I'll ask them, are you looking out a window? And it's this thing where this is almost a sort of, I want to be very cautious to say, it's almost like an amnesia or something where they they're like, oh, no, I'm not looking out a window. It's as if mm-hmm. the 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 exterior of the ship just disappears.
1: Disappears. Yeah. That that's like uh that's like this.
0: Wow. Just fascinating. So it would feel so in all for it would feel like you're floating in the darkness of space.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it feels like uh uh The ship is—it's uh it's consciousness. It's—it's it's part of you.
0: <laughs> and I've heard this before too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I had to clarify that because that's because. No, that's fine. And so you're you're there saying, okay, and you're you get this beautiful view of the Milky Way galaxy, and it's time to go back.
1: Yeah and uh, so we go back and we go back by earth and it it's the same thing it's like flipping through the pages of a book at first there's there's the acceleration and then the flipping through the different dimensions and then just in a split second you're you're back where you started from but I can still see outside and the earth is right outside and I can see it and I can tell we're up above looking at the earth and then he tells me, he says, well, he says this is, uh, it's time for you to go back and uh, everything turns fuzzy white and then I wake up on the couch <laughs> and uh, it's, it's it was just, oh, it was so neat, it was so fascinating it was just Exciting, you know.
0: And so, a great, huge difference between the experiences you had have that were so full of fear and so full of right. Okay, this is just, yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is when it changed to uh, more consciousness. You know, these experiences, mm-hmm. and uh, and fear was gone. Fear uh, wasn't there any longer, except for that one where they fixed my back. But uh, after that, that was the last contact, like that physical contact I had with him. After that, uh, he he would cut this entity would come to me in a dream, and in the one dream he told me that uh, uh, my the side of me is unbearable for you Uh, it's posing a problem and uh, he says from now on when I come to visit you I will come to you in a dream or I'll come to you as an animal and in a dream I'll come to you as an animal and so after that I started having dreams with LB in it as either a deer, uh, a wolf. Um, it, it was a different. What uh, mo, mo, is the word I'm looking for? Modality of contact.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you 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 called him LB. Now is this the first time that you actually had heard the name LB around this time?
1: No, there. Uh, I need to go back to the uh, encounter I had where they fixed my back. Okay, mm-hmm. that's when this entity told me his name. He said my name is Elby, and then he made this big screeching noise that was like fingernails on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. It just made me cringe, and. And during that experience is when he told me his name was Elby. Mm-hmm. Here I am rushing through these things and I'm leaving little details out. No, oh, it's it's
0: tough. It's tough. Yeah, it happens all the time. So don't feel bad. I do it all the time too.
1: And uh, one really weird dream I had. I was sitting. Okay, have you you've been down around uh, Monticello and. Landing, Utah, haven't
0: oh, you? Oh yeah, spent a lot of time there, yes.
1: Okay, have you ever been over to uh, Dark Canyon, primitive area?
0: No, but it's on my list. I've been to very similar areas down there, though.
1: Yeah, well there's a road right at the top of the canyon that kind of goes along the rim of it, kind of comes in and out. and Anyways, I had bought a brand new Dodge truck, and I'm sitting on the edge of this Dark Canyon primitive area sitting in this Dodge truck of mine and I know exactly where this area is because I've been there before and I'm sitting there and there's this wolf sitting on its haunches outside staring at me through the driver's window and I'm looking at this wolf and and Wow, this is, you know, pretty neat. That's a big wolf. This thing has to be four and a half, five foot tall sitting there. And so I'm sitting there in this truck of mine and this yellow amber light appears up in the clouds and it's kinda flickering around. And then it comes down and envelops my truck real quickly. And then all of a sudden, I got the feeling, the sensation of accelerating real fast. And I realize I'm in my truck, (laughs) and I'm accelerating up into these clouds. And then I'm moving, I'm, I'm traveling along up into the clouds, And then I start descending back down to the ground. And when I come back down, I'm not in Utah anymore. I'm in, it looks like either Southern California or the Nevada desert. And I can see a concrete building down below, but there's no highways or paved roads going to it. There's just two dirt roads. Uh, intersecting, and there's this big concrete building. And so I come down, and I land in front of this building in my truck, and there's another black Suburban, and it comes down about 50 feet from me and lands on the ground. And this heavy-set man gets out of this Suburban, and I get out of my
0: but, so wait, so just a second, the Suburban like floats down like a helicopter landing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just like that. Okay. <laughs> and pretty soon, there's a set of double doors on this concrete building. And then they open up, and a whole bunch of people come out wearing uh, lab coats. And they're pushing two gurneys. And they come over to me, and then they go over to this other guy, and they throw us on these gurneys. And the one guy tells the other people, he said, these are the only two people that survived. And he says, get them inside, quick. And so they take us inside. And all the time, this wolf is still there, right beside me. And he's following me inside this building. And uh, we get inside, and we get into this elevator and it goes down and it's like a laboratory setup. And this wolf is with me the whole entire time. At that time when I'm in this concrete building. And and then everything turns a fuzzy white and I pass out and then I come to and I find myself back in Utah at Dark Canyon Primitive Area, but I'm not in my truck. I'm about 100 feet away from my truck, and I'm standing by this little creek, and this man wearing a white lab coat comes up to me, and he calls me by my name and tells me not to worry about anything, that... These are things that I have to go through, and that there's not going to be any harm done to me, and that I successfully passed this test. And I'm kind of worried about this a little bit, so I ask my, subconsciously, I ask my um, totem animal, which is a bear, to come and help protect me, and this bear shows up, and I have this big rainbow trout hanging on my belt, and, uh, and I'm wondering what the hell this trout's for, and the bear comes up to me, and he starts telling me, he says, Ron, he says, you're fine, he said, there's no harm going to happen to you, he said, this is all part of your growth, and he says, uh, you're fine," he said. "There's no harm." And then I realized what the trout was for. I took the trout off, and I says, "Here, let me give this to you." And he thanks me for it, and he eats it, and then he goes off.
0: <laughs> now, was the trout there the whole time?
1: The, the yeah, the trout was with me the whole time. That I so
0: even before, like when you were first arrived at the Dark Canyon? No, no, no.
1: Just when I okay, came gotcha. back, and I was standing by the creek, about a hundred feet from the trout. The trout was hanging on my belt. It was like uh, I knew it was known that this bear was going to show up. So you,
0: so you had you had the trout already, yeah. And you, and you, you asked your totem animal of the...
1: my totem animal, which is a bear, to come and protect me because I didn't know if I was in danger or not. And the bear comes. Tells me, Ron, he says, you're fine. He said, there's nothing going to happen to you. Wow. He says, you're not going to be harmed in any way. And uh, he says, this is all part of your journey or something along that line. And then I give him the trout and I says, here, this is for you. And he takes it and thanks me. And then he walks off. And is the wolf there, too? the wolf is there sitting on its haunches is watching all this go on. And all the time during this whole entire dream this wolf was beside me, was by my side. And so the man in the lab coat tells me, he says, it's time for you to go. And uh, he goes off through the uh, forest and then I me and this wolf, we walk back to my truck, and the wolf sits down on his haunches, and I get in the truck, and I'm looking out the window at the wolf, and I said, I'm going to find out who this wolf is. So I get out of the truck, and I get down in, on my knees right in front of this wolf, and we get face to face. <laughs> and uh, I ask him, I said, who are you? <laughs> And he tells me, he says, this is Elby. This is how I will come to you in a dream as an animal. Okay. And um, he says, when you see a wolf or a deer, he says, it's me.
0: In the dream state or just in regular?
1: No, no. In any state. In a dream or now in this reality. Okay and uh, it just fascinated me, and then I woke up at that time. Everything kind of tight, turned a fuzzy white, and then I woke up in bed
0: <laughs> now l b in in the other times you had seen him, he shows up as a as a, a taller gray, correct
1: no, no no he's uh no, he's not a gray he is a i i don't know how to describe him other than a humanoid type he's uh he's about five and a half foot tall very rough uh almost uh, a real rough uh, skin uh, i don't want to say scaly but uh, maybe similar to scales mm-hmm. uh, he's got a very skinny, anorexic-looking body. You can see his bones through his skin.
2: Is
0: this the being that you saw as a child in in California?
1: Yes. He looks like the one I saw uh, in that recurring nightmare.
0: And that showed up at at your uncle's house when you were doing work in his yard?
1: No, it was a different type of being. This one had a pointed chin and was much taller. Okay. All in all, I've experienced eight different types of things uh, and that's not counting the ones that I saw when I was a kid, the one I saw when I was a kid mm-hmm. light bulb head
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um, this stuff is oh there's just so much here to to soak in it's just it's hard to get every. Think in little detail, yeah,
0: so here, let me ask some questions. You mentioned your sister was on mm-hmm. you saw her on a craft, and she
1: had a little device in her
0: hand. Mm-hmm. Have you ever asked or talked about this with your sister
1: i I have uh, I asked l b to come go see her once, and something came to see her when she was living in Seattle uh but I believe my sister, whatever it is. <clears throat> that I am to do, uh, my sister, I believe, is part of it.
0: Okay. Now, um, the 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 dream experience of uh, floating in the truck and then landing and then having the other truck kind of land like a helicopter and this other person getting out, the line was, you know, these are the only two that had survived? Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm that's what they told and what's your impression of what does that mean i have no idea they said that these are the only two that survived everybody else died i have no idea what that means
0: like my first impression was that there would have been like a group or a team or a chosen collection of people that were part of some program or were all used for some purpose like like hybridization or something.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, In that one experience I had where they cured me, there was a room they put me in that had a row of chairs across two of the walls and there were people sitting in. Okay. I don't know if they had anything to do with it or not, but the person that turned his head and looked at me and said that, uh, you are, it, you are, you have no idea how lucky you are. No idea. Okay. But I've been waiting to see him, and I, I haven't come across him yet. But I've had two people tell me that they saw me in their abductions.
0: Oh, that's interesting. The, so the fellow who spoke to you in the chair, that was not the person who came down out of the, the darker truck?
1: No. Okay. No. I have no idea who that person was. Okay. Was it a memory? I don't know. Because this
0: seems very <laughs> theatrical, your your dream, and with the fish on your belt and everything like that, it has dream logic in it. Yeah. It also has the 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 experiences that, you know, people report on a craft. So there's two things happening at once. There's this dream logic of a dream, and there's this, you know, these encounter experiences, which can be very hard to articulate. Um, I'm, So I've gotten to the point now where I wait the dream experiences. I give them the same credence and the same level of attention that I give someone who tells me I have a direct contact experience because they, to me, seem, they're there for a reason. Right. Right. They've been presented to the, to the observer for a reason.
1: Yeah. At first, when I first started doing my dream journal, I didn't make a connection with these experiences in the dream not until later on and now i think they're totally connected
0: well that's interesting because your your dreams then would be unbiased in a way right so you wouldn't be right. writing them from the from the point of view of like oh my gosh this is some clue to my ufo experiences you would just be relaying them as straight dreams
1: you know what's weird is in these Dreams, uh, a lot of my dreams, especially the ones with, I got hundreds of them with UFOs and aliens in them, those dreams are weird because a lot of these dreams I have, I can see 360 degrees. (laughs) It's weird. And also a lot of them. I'm as a spirit above looking down and I'm also as a person on the ground and I'm looking and I can see from both and that is very difficult to explain. Wow. Wow. I can see in multi-directions, every direction (laughs) from both. I have no idea what that is.
0: This is I mean, you're describing something that is, in essence, you can say it just like you did, but I I simply can't comprehend it.
1: Yeah. I cannot comprehend this. Uh, seeing in every direction and from two places. it It defies logic to me. <laughs> but yet, in a dream, I can. <laughs> so... Is this all part of what you're going to experience when you go to the afterlife, uh, when you ascend? Is this going to be a part of it? I believe it is.
0: And that's what I've heard about. You know, there's one detail in that when you're on board the ship, flying the ship, you, you, you were told all you have to do is think and you'll go to that place. Just think and you'll be there. Yeah. And that is something I've heard more than once from people who have had near-death experiences.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: say, like, all of a sudden, you're f- I'm free of my body. I was free of my body, and I would just say, oh, I want to see my family. And boom, I was in the waiting room of the hospital just instantaneously, and there was my family. You know? Yeah.
1: That's the way it is with, uh, I think, an OBE is real similar to an NDE. Yes. And uh, when I'm out of my body having these OBEs, I can see multi it's it's, You have to experience it. It's hard to explain.
0: I'm just picturing like the spider with all the eyes all over its head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you and I have talked about your book project, and I've looked at a handful of the chapters of your book project, (laughs) and um, it seems like there's still a lot more that you have to tell.
1: There is. There's just so much. It's. It's. I don't know how. It's like I can't get it all. Yeah. I can't get it all down. Every time I write a three or four paragraphs, I got to go back and insert something. And it's just if I keep doing that, I ain't ever gonna get this book done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know that was the problem when people try to. So I had a conversation with Bud Hopkins, mm-hmm. and and I said, you know, like, what about these synchronicities and weird things that that, uh, that uh, people have had UFO contact? What about those things that they experience, these weird, odd things? And for me, it was synchronicity, these odd coincidences that seem to be yeah. irrational and pile up around me.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And he, he kind of, I'm doing it with my hands, you can't see what I'm doing, but he kind of said, ugh. You know, when you start to look into this stuff, the threads go everywhere. And he made this expression like, like if you were trying to mimic like splashing water, right? You would make your hands go way far apart. Like everything goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, you know, what my job has been trying to write about this is I'm trying to just push it all back together. And he kind of made this thing like he was pushing all that like a little block of clay back together. Right. You know, so all the threads go everywhere, and he pushes it all back together. He says, I'm trying to get it all back together and then in my research like this is how I would describe my research like you make the little splash effect you know and all the little driplets go everywhere the little droplets go everywhere right my research is to go to that furthest drop mm-hmm. and then study that and like what is this weird stuff that's associated with it uh-huh. what is this symbol i mean the the, the the bear and the trout on your belt I mean this is that's like dream symbolism and that's um <laughs> Right. it sounds like a legend told around a campfire, exactly, you know in some village five hundred years ago in North Dakota.
1: I was thinking of like a past life or something, kinda you know how it kind of bleeds into a past life
0: yeah it all of it, yeah,
1: yeah yeah it it's but I do believe that when I go and I go to the other side other side of the veil per se uh these experiences that i've experienced here are going to be like normal experiences in your light body or your spiritual body or whatever however you want to describe it
0: where things are
1: theatrical like that where things are
0: well symbolic like totem animals like bears and deer
1: symbolic and the different types of uh uh, I don't know how to describe that. Different types of reality, like uh, seeing in 360 degrees, multidirectional. That that's going to be your reality when you get to the uh, mm-hmm. when you advance when you get off this uh, merry-go-round and round of called Earth.
2: <laughs> yeah
1: this is a sample of what you're going to be experiencing that that's kind of what i look at
0: yes i mean I, this is i'm i'm a little bit i mean i just sat here listening for 2 hours to all this yeah and i'm really thunderstruck at the at the at the depth of it
1: there there's a lot. I I mean, most people that I know that's had experiences had they usually have one or two experiences and that's it. Mine has been lifelong and it seems to be still going on but it's more like they're just observing me saying, We're just gonna keep an eye on you. Make sure everything's okay. Yeah. And I've had these darn things pop up in my house and, gosh, all over the place. <laughs> it's like they're they're following me. Well, you had a story.
0: I was at your house, and you, you actually acted it out. You said this a little being peeked around the corner of yeah. the door between the living room and the bedroom. Yeah. And I have heard that many times yeah. from other people.
1: It was like a little gray, but it was only about a foot, maybe a foot and a half tall.
0: Oh, so it was that small, like the size of a little yeah. elf or something. Okay. So let me just, so like, I don't feel like we're done with this conversation yet. At the same time, I feel like we've, I think we've both talked ourselves out here in this one. So let's let's end this talk and then let's do maybe one more. Okay. And then, and then try to sum it all up. Because what I want to ask is I want to ask, the big profound questions and like what's the totality of this but I don't think we're there yet I think we're very close much closer than we were so we've got probably five hours of interviews under our belt right now Yeah. and I think that we should probably look forward to summing it up in a in a
1: future episode yeah uh, yeah it's like that one I did with Tracy Austin Peters that took 13 and a half hours and I still couldn't get it all
0: <laughs> and she was recording you
1: yeah
2: wow
0: amazing mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's the that's the um that's the problem with this this stuff right so you want to do an interview with someone right Oh, someone has an experience you call them up on the phone and how long should that phone call last should it last an hour you know um
1: it can't last 15 hours you know
0: yeah <laughs> How do, you, how do you research the totality of this when everyone's experiences would take 15 hours to tell? Yeah. You know, how, do, how does the outsider understand it?
1: Yeah. What would really get me is every, I did these uh, radio interviews, and the only thing they seem to care about is my sexual experiences back in 68, back in Riverside and they they would spend all their time on that and then jump ahead 40, 50 years. And it just, it just, it's too confusing for people to listen to hop back and forth because these, these uh, encounters of mine, these experiences, are all related. They need to be told in a chronological order Mm-hmm. There's, it's like there's a uh, system to it. Uh, it's the only way I can describe it.
0: Well, you actually t- you were you are wrestling to put it into those stages, the four stages you I described. Am. So, and and this is where, I think, the the people who, are I don't want to be. People who are researching this are trying to make it simple. They're trying to solve it. They're trying to package it, in a way. That's easily digestible. Yeah. That's a that's a crummy metaphor, but but um so, and I and I don't think you can, because in order to package that way, you've got to
1: leave out so much. They can package it, but they're not going to solve it. I don't think anybody's going to solve this until yeah. you go to the other side. Then you're going to have to come back as a spirit and tell somebody, <laughs> if that's possible. That may not even be possible. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know.
0: You said your friend who came back and told you about the Bigfoot experiences. Yeah. He, basically, he said like, right. I, yeah. I'm not allowed to tell you. He he said it straight out. Like he didn't have. It was almost like he was. Yeah. Like it was against the rules.
1: Yeah. And that time I I astral projected and went and saw my mom. Uh. On the other side, and Elvy even took me once as a guide guided me over there and my mom wanted to show me things and she said she was it was forbidden for her to show me these things and she says when it's your turn to come over you'll you'll know (laughs) yeah it's just all a big question mark here on earth (laughs) pretty much pretty much (laughs) but for some people uh, I think they're getting glimpses of uh, what it is, but it's still vague. It's still almost impossible to put together, like mine.
0: It's... Yeah, there's a book by Ibn um, Alexander, and he wrote this amazing book called Proof of Heaven. Mm-hmm. And in it, he he was he went into a coma. He was a brain surgeon. He taught he he taught brain surgery at Harvard Medical School he had um, an infection in his brain mm-hmm. and he was in a coma for i can't remember how long over a week and and then when he came out of it like he was the perfect person to like investigate his own self right because they had all the documentation so this was felt like it was staged for him and for him alone and he had this incredible mythic experience that was timeless. He felt like he was in this other realm, for what amounted to hundreds of years, when he was only out uh, in in this coma state for a week. Mm-hmm. So wherever we are on this side of the veil, yeah, like we're we can't see in 360 degrees. Like we can't we can't do these magical things that seem to be capable on the other side of the veil.
1: Yeah. Now. I asked Elby one time. I meditated and asked him why. How can I improve my EVPs? And he came to me that night in a dream and told me that there's a uh, uh, a dilation between this realm and the, the well the spirit levels that uh, we see these spirits on, and that there's hardly, uh, time basically doesn't exist there. And he told me you need to adjust your, uh, the way you ask and how you ask, whether it was slowing down or speeding, speeding up talking. I don't know, but he just says, adjust your, um, uh, asking questions,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, you'll get better responses, and he, he was vague, It was it's vague, he didn't really come out and tell me what to do, but uh, I've been trying different things, I've been asking questions, and then I'll speed it up on uh, Audacity, mm-hmm. and then put it back on the recorder, and then play it. But so far, I haven't, it seems like my responses are about the same (laughs) so far. But I've been experimenting with it.
0: Hey, do you have, I'm just going to ask, do you have one more short story that we could share just before checking out here? Just something simple, like even a dream or?
1: Oh, let's see. Uh, Gosh, there was something. What was that? Um, Yes, there is is something I want to tell you. Uh, in my out-of-body experiences, uh, one time I had flopped down on the couch. I was just mentally tired, and L.B. met me. Uh, Spiritual—I couldn't see him. This was all spiritual. And when I when I first started having these out-of-body experiences. Uh, at first, I could see my, it was like a, uh, a see-through body, <laughs> and then as I got better at it, uh, I became a, just a, like a spot of light, and now when I do it, all it is is just consciousness. There's, you can't see nothing, it's just consciousness. That's the only way I can describe it. And uh, anyways, he took me to see my mom and I met my mom on the other side. And L.B. left me and my mom alone. And my mom took me to this, there was a building off in the distance. And have you ever seen the Manti Temple? No,
0: I've seen a lot of temples around Utah, but never the Manti Temple.
1: Okay. All right. Um, this building looked like the Manti Temple, except for it was much smaller. It was more the size of, like, a house. Mm-hmm. But yet, my mom took me there, and we went inside. And when we got inside, it was just vast. The the room inside was just huge. It was nothing like what it looked like on the outside. And... uh My mom told me that uh, everybody that dies has a room like this. And this portal opens up, and I could see another room like the one I was in, and my dad was in there. And then it closes up, and then another portal opens up to another room like the one I'm in. And my mom says, this is your grandmother's room. Everybody has a room like this who who dies. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really fascinating. (laughs) And this room has these big pillars on the walls that go up. And in between these pillars, there's these big like portraits or paintings, Mm -hmm. and each one is a different theme from my mom's life or from from the life of the person who that room belongs to. And so we slowly kind of move down to the other end, and there's the whole end, there's a big table down there, and it's got these uh, uh, crystals sticking up. And these crystals are like, They remind me of a crystal carrot, Mm -hmm. but they're uh, probably six to eight inches long, and then there's some shorter ones there. And my mom says that every person who's been on Earth has a crystal that has their entire life story embedded into it. And uh, she says, you have one, but it's not here yet because... You're still on Earth, and it won't be here until uh, in your room until you die. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she says even your animals have a, uh, they're they're a smaller crystal, but your animals have a crystal too, that has their entire life on it. And it was strange. And the first thing I thought of was our dog, Yogi. We had a hound when we moved to Utah. And he just one day just come up missing. And we we never knew. We were always wondering what happened to him. And this crystal comes up off the table and it comes over by me. And in my mind, I can see it's like a movie. It's like a theater movie. And I could see this entire life of Yogi, a dog we had from birth to death. And uh, it only took like, just a millisecond to go see this video. And I could see everything. And what it showed was, when the dog disappeared, it had wandered over to the neighbor's house across the street. He had chickens, and the dog was back there kind of harassing the chickens, and he shot, killed it with a shotgun, our dog, and then took it to the dump and dumped it. Oh, And uh, it showed this in that, uh, the crystal showed everything, showed him shooting it and throwing it in his truck and taking it to the dump.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's heartbreaking.
1: And... Then my mom says, I want to show you. She says, I have a place, beautiful place in the forest. I have deer, elk, all kinds of animals around. Most beautiful place you've ever saw. And she said, I want to show it to you, but I'm not allowed to. I'm forbidden to show it to you. And you can't see your personal place until you die. <laughs> and then she says, it's time for you to go back. And I said, I don't want to go. I want to stay here, talk to you some more. She says, no, you have to go back now. And then everything is like, uh, everything turned white. And then I could feel myself moving, traveling. And then all of a sudden, wham, I just woke up on the couch back in my body.
2: <laughs>
0: so here's this, this beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. And... And like you were guided there mm-hmm. by what we would call an alien. Right. From like, you know, like an alien took you to heaven. Let's
1: say. It all connected. Yeah.
0: And, and there's so at this point, like there's no separation at all between these things for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you study one little droplet way on the outside of the phenomenon, and it's somehow connected to that big, that big splash in the middle.
1: Right, right. You got to study them all. <laughs> That's the best way I could I could describe it. You you described it.
0: Okay, hey, let's end this here. This has been this has been great. I feel like we could go on and on and on and and and. Uh, but let's do at least one more show.
1: Yeah. Oh, go on. I just wanted to say one more thing. Okay, I had a. Very vivid dream. I met Jesus Christ. Okay, now these entities, I've asked them about God. And they told me that there is a, they called them a source. Mm -hmm. And there is, and they, they said, keep believing in Jesus Christ. He's a real person. And we believe them too. And a lot of these animal dreams I've had, where I was an animal, I've had other animals come up to me and tell me we believe in God and Jesus Christ just like you do too. It's all kinds. of all kinds of little. Uh, I don't know what how to what to call them paradoxes or mm-hmm. uh, ideas or and. In this dream, uh, I was a deer when I met Jesus. And uh, he told me that you will never, ever have to go suffer what man has put you through ever, ever again. And he said, this is your last incarnation on earth. He says, you won't have to come back here ever again unless you want to. So a lot of these people that are having these experiences and these researchers, they're totally excluding God and Jesus out of the picture, and they're missing part of the boat when they do that, because they are part of this. (laughs) I just wanted to make point.
0: Yeah, and I would say if, like, culturally, like if we were in India, I'm sure Buddha would be part of it, you know? Right. And... And if we were born and raised in South Dakota, you know, a right. hundred years before the white man arrived, I'm sure there would be a whole, there would be animal spirit guides that would that would play the same powerful role that Jesus plays. You know, we're Westerners. We both have. Right. and And, but I think that everyone... How to say this? Like, if there's truly a benevolent source behind all this, no one would be left adrift, right? They would always have, they would always have a path to get to to source, right? And it and it may have a different, you know, you would meet different characters along that path depending on on right your how you would frame it.
1: Yeah, you. I think you're getting it as close closer than anybody else. <laughs>
0: Well, other people have gone down this avenue of thought yeah. too, but I just it's yeah. it's so interesting that this is the 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 backdrop of your experiences are these is the UFO stuff you know the stuff of science fiction and the x files and scary movies and and the perception that it's you know aliens coming from another planet yeah. where it seems altogether it's so so much more rich than that 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 the the, the pop culture version is so simple. Yeah. And the version that you are trying to articulate is so rich with mm-hmm. mystery. And I would also say, even hope. I mean, some of the stories you told on the have been very, very scary. Yeah. But at the end of this conversation now, I feel so
1: hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a, uh, I think there's a much better life waiting.
0: Yeah, well, well, we're stuck with this life in the short term, and hopefully, we can, we can, we can, like, love thy neighbor a little more. Let's put it that way. So. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just got to get away from the human emotions.
0: Well, love is a human emotion. We can,
1: well, you know. I'm talking about the bad, the bad human. Yeah. Emotion, yeah. uh, greed, uh, lust. You know them. Yeah hate (laughs) hate's a big one that we gotta overcome
0: (laughs) fear and hate yeah so we if we just you know love and forgiveness those are yeah I mean that's if you're gonna take anything away from the New Testament that's that's love and forgiveness is. you can sum it up in two words
1: yep exactly but I could go on for another ten hours just telling well we're not going to though. <laughs> well, we're not going to
0: do ten hours now. But let's no. <laughs> let's see what the future brings. But for now, I'm going to have to thank you and say this has been this has been so wonderful, and I look forward to talking more.
1: I I'm looking forward to it too. Looking forward to seeing you again.
0: Yeah, I got to get back out west soon. Yeah, I miss it.
1: Okie dokie.
0: Okay, it's great to hear your voice. All right.
1: Bye. Bye bye.
0: This is Mike and I am chiming in at the end after the editing. Uh, as I said earlier, there will be a part five, quite possibly there will be a part six. Near the end, Ron said he had a dream where he met Jesus. I I didn't ask him about that. I I will begin the next episode where we talk about that dream more specifically. He certainly hints at it, and some of the things that came up in that dream, but for me, this is exactly the kind of story that would make many researchers dismiss his account entirely. But I think, I, I think that he has so much to share, and I have been such an attentive listener, and, and it has been, so valuable, for me. To have, to have undertaken this. Um, I said it earlier, I was a little bit intimidated to come into this knowing full well that I would have to do these long, long interviews that would be strung out over, over many weeks, um, totaling up to I'm not sure how many hours. It'll be a lot. But it has been valuable for me, and hopefully it has been valuable for you, the listener. If you have made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.